Hello, and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Nana Khan, and I'm one of the associate editors of the BJGP. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk to Julian Voss, who is a doctoral student and clinician based at the Department of General Practice at the University of Amsterdam. We're going to discuss his recent paper titled Patients' Experiences with GP-Led Colon Cancer Survivorship Care, a Mixed Methods Evaluation at Different Time Points. I suppose my interest in this area is about what happens to people when they are three to five years after cancer diagnosis. And typically, at least in the UK, most people with colon cancer are followed up by their hospital specialist for this three to five year period. Do you think that survivorship care is changing? And what's the background to this study and why it was important to look at how GPs look after people following cancer? Yeah, so um, the study actually dates from uh, uh, quite a while back. So it was initiated in 2015. Um, and the reason behind it was that the, uh, the Dutch Ministry of Health, Welfare and Sports, they advocated a greater involvement of the GP in survivorship care. Um, so what we did is we set up a trial in which we randomized the patients to receive survivorship care from either the general practitioner or a specialist. So in this case, it was a surgeon who provided that care. And I do think it has changed over the last couple of years. So what we have noticed is that uh, the care that used to be mostly in the hospital, it's already being transferred to the general practitioner to primary care um, as we speak. And also it's happening before the follow-up duration is already finished. So even within those five to three years, uh, some patients already get referred back to the general practitioner. Uh, and I think one of the uh, the best examples is, for example, with prostate cancer. So they used to be in the hospital as well. And what happens now is that the general practitioner is actually taking the lead already and doing these follow-up or like survive ship care consultations with uh, the patient. So it has been changing. But I think it depends on the type of uh, cancer and the type of patient as well. Um, of course, if someone is having... Uh, a lot of problems after surgery or after treatment, uh, then it's more likely they will remain in the hospital for a bit longer. So it depends, but it's a changing field. And in this paper, you focused on people who had survived past a colorectal cancer diagnosis, and you you did a trial and used a mixed methods approach. Just tell us a bit more about the study and what what you did. Yeah, so we, uh, we did a randomized trial And as I said uh, before, we randomized colon cancer patients with limited stages of colon cancer, so that's stage one to three, uh, to receive that care from either the general practitioner or the surgeon. And our primary outcome of the study was quality of life. Um, And the hypothesis behind it was that the general practitioner is capable of providing uh, more personalized or more comprehensive care, so that may result in... um, improved quality of life recovery after treatment. So we already uh, published those results in a different paper, and we actually showed that there was no difference in uh, quality of life recovery between patients who are randomized to the GP or to the surgeon. 
and therefore we wanted to do additional research. Uh, so uh, we wanted to explore those patients' experiences in greater depth. We also performed additional interviews to explore it even further. Um, and we, yeah, we also showed that there was no, no difference between the patients who, uh, who had randomized to the GP or the surgeon when you look at different quality aspects of care. So for example, if you look at communication or like the um, information provision of uh, healthcare professionals, but also satisfaction with care, those were all very similar in the both uh, uh, trial arms. Um, but when we did additional interviews, we actually saw that there was a lot of variation between the patients. And the most important thing I think we noticed was that patients that had randomized to care by the, GT the GP, they had organized that care in many different ways. Um, so there were some patients who had taken on the full responsibility to organize that care. Uh, but in other cases, uh, it was, for example, the GP who took on that responsibility, or it was also shared, uh, shared care. So it was both the patient and the GP that took uh, uh, initiative in planning and organizing care um, but some of the patients did experience difficulties uh, with this uh, organization. So going back to the kind of people you were looking at here so people with colorectal cancer and how far were they post-diagnosis at the point that they were randomized to um, receive the surgeon or GP-led care? But on average, they were about three to six months after colon cancer uh, treatments. Uh, but of course, if they had received adjuvant chemotherapy, therapy, they remained in the hospital a little bit longer. Okay, so this is quite early on in the yes. cancer journey, as some people might put it. Um, and definitely before most GPs would expect to be primarily the caregiver for people who've had cancer. So that's really interesting. And any other key findings that you want to highlight from the analysis that you, you did in this paper? Yeah, so for me, the most uh, most shocking result was the fact that uh, patients had organized that care in different ways. I think it also relates to the way that the um, trial was set up in which we used a pragmatic approach. So patients and physicians, they could um, decide together on how to best organize the follow-up schedule. Um, but uh, I would have expected that the physicians might have taken on a greater role in that organizing and planning. planning. Um, so some patients that they mentioned that they find it quite, quite difficult that uh, they had to organize everything themselves. I can also imagine that if, if it were me, I would also find that quite difficult. Some time ago in cancer survivorship research, there was this concept of a survivorship care plan that would be given to patients, the GP, the hospital consultant. Is that something that's in widespread use in your healthcare system? Or is that something that you think might have helped bridge this gap between patient expectations of follow-up and what the GP was doing? Yeah, in the Netherlands, it's actually not used, but I do um, know there's a lot of research on it. And if you look at most of the studies that's, that have been done, um, the effect of the survivorship care plan is not uh, unanimous. So they don't, it's not really clear whether or not it has an effect, for example, on patient-reported outcomes. Uh, personally, I do think it has an added value. Of course, if you provide some someone with extra information, it's always helpful that you have the follow-up schedule by hand, 
and you can always um, uh, rely on that. And at the point where patients were allocated to GP follow-up, did the GPs get any advice about what the follow-up should be or when they should be reviewing patients for symptoms of recurrence or other late effects of the cancer or its treatment? Yeah, what we did is um, there's a national follow-up guideline on colorectal cancer. Um, and I think that's quite similar to most uh, Western countries. Uh, and we um, translated that uh, follow-up guideline uh, and provided that to the GP so that they knew uh, when and uh, what to perform, so which follow-up tests and uh, how to plan those uh, consultations. Mm. So even despite that, it seems quite surprising that um, perhaps patients were initiating some of the contacts if there were these guidelines that potentially could have given a schedule to when GPs should be calling people back. Yeah, um, and we also um, interviewed GPs about their experiences with this care. Um, and of course, I can uh, can say it's the same for for everyone, but some of the GPs, they also mentioned that they found it quite difficult because they didn't have the knowledge or the experience. And even though they had this, um, this plan, um, they, they found it difficult to execute uh, because they didn't really have the routine and they only see... Uh, maybe one or two colon cancer patients each year, so it doesn't really uh, add to the uh, uh, to the experience. Um, but for example, as I said before, that prostate cancers GPs are quite experienced with uh, requesting PSA uh, measures, but they're not really um, experienced in uh, requesting the carcinoma and antigen uh, measure. So. I think it's a different type of test that is not really performed that often in primary mm. care. So given these findings, what do you think are the main implications for practice and potentially for how survivorship care is managed in colorectal cancer? Yeah, that's a, a great discussion point. Um, and I'm personally not the biggest fan of the GP taking over because I think there's so much care being transferred from the hospital to the GP. Uh, but of course, I do understand that there could be possible benefits of doing this. Uh, if that would happen, then I think it also will require, well, more finances and also time investment for GPs so that they are capable of providing this type of care. Um, so I think there's still a lot of concerns and barriers that need to be tackled uh, first. And did you get a sense what the patient preference was in all of this, whether they preferred seeing a hospital surgeon or their GP for this kind of care? Yeah, well, if we look at the beginning of the trial, there were about uh, 1,250 eligible participants. And of those, only 350 um, uh, agreed to participate. So that's quite a big dropout. Uh, so in the end, there were about 25% that participated in the trial. Um, and we also looked at what uh, at the reasons of uh, non-participants uh, for, for not participating. Uh, and a lot of them did mention that they wanted to receive this type of care in the hospital. Do you have any thoughts about how to change this in the future if more care is going to be transferred to GPs? About, is it about trust or is it about patients being educated or... What, how do you think that this might play out in the future if GPs do take on more survivorship care in terms of patient preference? 
Well, anything you tr- or anytime you try to change anything, there's always, of course, some resistance uh, in the beginning. So, for the say, for like, if we compare it to, for example, uh, care for diabetes patients or care for uh, cardiovascular uh, patients, there was quite a lot of resistance from general practitioners at first as well. Uh, so, I do think once um, it's normalized, then of course it's uh, it's. Uh, there wouldn't be any resistance of patients as well. Um, so it, it kind of depends on what what the standard is or what is usual. And you will always go through a period of change. But I do think if we educate general practitioners in providing this type of care, then it would be possible to uh, provide it in primary care as well. Okay. Um, so thanks for that. I wonder if you could just summarize for me what you did, what the main findings were from this study? Yeah, so in this study, um, uh, we investigated patients' experiences with survivorship care from the GP. We did a randomized trial in which patients uh, were randomized to receive care from either the GP or the surgeon. And we uh, measured patient experience in two different ways. So we used a mixed methods. We use a questionnaire uh, in which we um, uh, measured quality aspects of care, and we used additional interviews to explore patients' experiences in greater depth. Um, and based on the questionnaire data, we did not really see any important differences between uh, patients who had randomized to the GP or the surgeon. But based on the interviews, we did saw some differences, um, uh, and especially uh, also differences in uh, responsibilities and roles that were quite important. And it sounds like a bit more clarity for patients and GPs about who's initiating what aspects of the care would help, I think, if yes. uh, systems like this were rolled out in the future. Okay, that, that's great. So I just wanted to say thanks, Julian, for taking the time to discuss your research. The original research article can be found on bjgp.org and the show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. And just a heads up about the BJGP Research Conference, which is returning on the 31st of March, 2023. The abstract submission deadline is soon approaching on the 18th of November. The conference website is up and running and please do visit the site at bjgp.org forward slash conference for more information on how to submit abstracts and to register for the conference. Thanks again for listening. Bye bye.